from the Library of Congress in Washington, D.C. Welcome to America Works, excerpts from interviews with contemporary workers throughout the United States, collected by the library's American Folklife Center as part of its Occupational Folklife Project. This is staff folklorist Nancy Gross, and this America Works features Port of Houston ship channel pilot James Hensley. He has a daunting task of guiding giant, ocean-going ships into and out of one of the world's busiest and largest ports. The famous Houston Ship Channel is 52 miles long and in some places incredibly narrow. His is not a job for the faint of heart. There is literally no room for mistakes. In this interview with folklorist Betsy Peterson, Mr. Hensley talks about learning and practicing his highly skilled trade and the pride he takes in his work. The maritime industry is sort of a stepchild industry. Uh, we're not... Uh, a we're not highly uh, uh, focal, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. We don't we don't come to the top. A lot of folks don't even know us know about us and how we are. Um, would you believe it? There are some people in the city of Houston don't even know we have a ship channel. It's good for uh, someone to to come and take mm-hmm. the time to mm-hmm. get the real skinny on on uh, our industry out here. Well, I was born in Galveston, Texas, oh, okay. and uh, affectionately known as uh, BOI, born on the island. It's a famous expression we have down there. I have a very strong background in maritime family. That my uh, I have an uncle, father, cousin, and uh, also stepfather went to sea, and so I did. I started off from uh, uh, ground zero there. I started off as an ordinary seaman, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and worked my way all the way up. Uh, the route I took was on-the-job training, I guess okay, you can say. Yeah. Uh, we call us horse pipers. I uh, went to sea, and I got the accumulated time. I sailed for three years as able by the seaman, and uh, I had enough time to uh, um, sit for my, my mage license. Uh, each time you advance uh, in your endorsements or documentation or license, it's through exams, mm-hmm. Coast Guard exams. Mm-hmm. And the main requirement uh, is actual sea time. That uh, that opens the door for um, uh, anyone who's, uh, I say, um, has enough ambition mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. to uh, want to better themselves. So uh, the door was open for me, and I took it. Went to Page uh, Navigation School in New Orleans, and I started to be a uh, navigator, third mate, and uh, got my license. I became a deck officer, and uh, from there I moved up until uh, I put an application here at Houston Pilots and got accepted. The um, industry has changed. Uh, the The availability of education has changed. Uh, when I was starting out, I didn't know anything about academies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to go to sea. Here in the channel, I learned the the basic uh, uh, logistics of how a ship what a ship does. In the school, I don't know why. Now I know why, so I said, well, this, I'm going to avoid this because I know if I do this, 
this might happen. happen yeah. We handled uh, and around 55 to 60 ships a day. That's uh, in and out. And uh, that's, not in, that's not including the, uh, the ships that go from dock to dock. Those ships, um, they're called shifters. How long does it take a ship to come in and get to dock? Anywhere from four to eight hours, yeah. depending on the uh, uh, where along the port mm -hmm. the ship is going. Uh, the ship channel itself is 52 miles long. First set of docks is at mile 30. Uh, depending on how far up the ship has to go, how uh, fast the ship can travel, if it's loaded, it, it doesn't travel very fast. Of course, uh, they have the myth about pilots being, well, we are fairly, uh, I would say prima donna. Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we are fairly aggressive in our attitudes, but the job makes you that way. Mm -hmm. you know? We have two groups. Okay. Uh, the affectionate name is Black Hats and White Hats. <laughs> I have to go back into the minutes of the meeting to find out where they came from. <laughs> And which, are you, are, which one are I'm you? I'm in the black hats. Okay. Just like the hats are different colors, the personalities are different, each group. <laughs> the uh, black hats are more, I guess you can say, reserved and quiet, laid mm -hmm. back, you know, mm -hmm. off themselves. Um, the white hats are more active, aggressive. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. They like to do things together. They, they, they do have a, a strong comradeship, mm -hmm. whereas black hats, we basically kind of hang to ourselves. Now, are the captains... Um when you get on a ship, do you take total control, or are they it's, it's, legally in charge, or who's in, yeah, that's who's in a, charge? That's an interesting question, because <laughs> basically the captain is uh, he's responsible for the entire time. He, he doesn't get relieved. A pilot comes aboard a ship, he's considered an, an, an advisor, and um, he's hired by the captain uh, to legally transport the ship. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. from uh, point A to point B. Mm -hmm. uh, the pilot is given full authority, full control of the vessel uh, because we know where the rocks yeah, are. You, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is where the gray area comes because they, they say, well, you know, the pilot, you know, he, he runs the whole show. Well, he runs the whole show, yes, but he's, he runs it under the authority of the, of the master. So the master's still responsible, uh, and the pilot is well, but the master's still responsible for his ship at all times. Mm -hmm. So... Um, uh, it, it, there's been some confusion in the past about that. But so what we, do you do when, I mean, when they want to either say, no, I really don't want you to do it that way, but you know because you know the channel. We do have to inject our authority because uh -huh. the, the vessel's master is not authorized to move his vessel in pilot waters. Uh, that's why the pilot is aboard. Uh, he, can, he can stop his vessel and kick the pilot off, I never cautioned him in front of his crew. I'll take him out on the wing of the bridge, and uh, he lay his law down. I lay my law down, and we'll, you know, we'll we'll come, we'll agree either to agree or not to agree. Uh -huh. But the fact is, he's got to get the ship to his his designated position. I'm the man to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, our our responsibility is, first of all, to the state of Texas, um, and also to the port. So that's where our that's where our lawages lie, and. Uh, crack, running that vessel up on up on the rocks is, is not it's conducive not. <laughs> for the state of Texas. So, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, we use diplomacy as mm -hmm. best we can. Some of our pilots aren't quite as diplomatic as others. Mm -hmm. 
but uh, we get our point across. Uh-huh. Well, so, yeah, tell me about Texas chicken. Yeah, it's, it's an unusual maneuver. Uh, it's only done a few places in, in the world. Mm-hmm. We're famous for it, and <laughs> this is where it started, yeah. Uh, Texas chicken was developed, I think, back in the 40s. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one-way traffic in the Houston Ship Channel mm-hmm. because by it being so narrow, uh, we weren't able to, to meet vessels. So they devised a system. As a ship gets out of the middle of the channel, the pressure builds up on the side that it's favoring. And over a period of time, it builds up so much pressure, it forces the ship back to the middle. Uh, that's why we uh, can't run down one side of the channel and meet another ship. We have to do it from the middle. So by doing the Texas chicken, uh, we alter course. Uh, we, we head on to each other, and about uh, three-quarters of a mile to six-tenths of a mile, we alter course to starboard. So the two ships are turning away from each other, and we head for the bank. And as the, ship, as the ships approach each other, you build up enough pressure where it forces the ship to start coming back to the middle of the channel. Oh, okay. So... Uh, uh, as the ships meet, we're looking down the channel, and as we as we pass each other, each ship brings the other one back to the middle of the channel. You, you can always tell a captain who's who's never been here before, a yeah, captain. captain first time, you know, a crew the first time, you know, because we see a ship coming, you know, and and the ship is pointing right to you, you know, and you know, say, uh, uh, pilot, uh, are we gonna pass port to port? Yes, captain, we're gonna pass port to port, you know. It says, okay, so everybody's quiet. So when you finally do give the rudder order, you get a lot of help on the bridge because everybody wants to make sure the helmsman understood what the pilot says. So they repeat <laughs> several times. <laughs> the other thing I wanted to ask, you were the second African-American pilot yes, to be. Uh-huh. Um, how many are there? Or how... There's three of us now. Uh-huh. Um, I... Uh, Matter of fact, my master was uh, Paul uh, Brown. Or, Paul yeah. Brown, mm-hmm. the first African American, and then uh, I came in. Uh, I think seven or eight years later. And there are a couple of women pilots. We have now? two women, two? three women pilots. Three. Uh-huh. We have very competent uh, lady captains. And uh-huh. I expected to have some problems with certain ship masters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I didn't know how the pilots would take it, but. Uh, all I ran across in, in the ships were professional behavior. Uh, I've never had a problem with shipmaster, feeling I was incompetent because of yeah. my minority status. Yeah. Um, he might have might have been a little nervous about me when, when he saw my antenna shaking. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, other than that, uh, I haven't had any problems. Um, as far as the pilots are concerned, um, a few of them had to adjust yeah. to to it, but the majority of them. We're basically ready to to move on. It hasn't been that big an issue, and uh, with the ladies as well. I I personally have talked to uh, a couple of the, two of the ladies mm-hmm. you know, when they first mm-hmm. came in, and uh, and told them you know what what to expect, and this is how you handle it. Because when I was became a pilot, you know I was because I was always under the captain, so I was always intimidated by a captain, and I had to learn to be uh, authoritative yeah, and uh, to let them know that you know, I, I was competent and they could rely upon me. So uh, that's the lecture I gave both of them. And one, I didn't need to give it to her. When uh, she ever, ever she got challenged, it took all of 30 seconds to put them into place. <laughs> so 
Uh, they've learned to respect the ladies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we we try and keep the old traditions of the old city of Pan ship handlers. Those guys are great. They could do anything with a ship. Uh, they might not could write the name too well, mm-hmm. but uh, they could they could they could take you through a ship from stem to stern and tell mm-hmm. you every every nut and bolt about it. Uh, that's a tradition we try and maintain uh, in, in our training programs, is to let a pilot know that even with the modern technology and all the implications, there's still no, no uh, substitute for a good old city of pants know it all. You've been listening to Houston Ship Channel pilot Jim Hensley. He was interviewed by folklorist Betsy Peterson for Working the Port of Houston, an occupational folklife project supported by the library's American Folklife Center. The Working the Port of Houston documentation project was directed by folklorist Pat Jasper for the Houston Arts Alliance. To hear the complete interview with Mr. Hensley, as well as interviews with more than 50 other Houston port workers, please visit us online at www dot loc dot gov forward slash folklife. On behalf of the American Folklife Center, this is folklorist Nancy Gross. Thank you for listening to America Works. This has been a presentation of the Library of Congress. Visit us at loc.gov.